Welcome to the Happiness Podcast with Chris Erthel. We're diving deep into the mysteries of life and what it means to be happy and fulfilled. You'll learn about happiness habits as well as how to live life to the fullest. Hey everyone and warm welcome to today's episode of the Happiness Podcast. Today we have uh, my public speaking coach and the most charismatic person I've ever met, Flo, Flo Mück here as a guest. Uh, warm welcome, Flo. Great to be here, Chris, and I'm already flying away. My God, what an introduction. <laughs> so for you to get to know a bit more, uh, Flo, so he's, um, he's, uh, he's coached 139 companies, uh, among them SAP, in Intel, Jochen Schweizer. And, uh, and he's incredibly charismatic. So we're going to jump a lot up on the charismatic topic today, right? So Flo, what's, what's for you the difference between charisma and happiness? In my life, what makes me happy is to connect with people. It's uh, something I have from my father 14 years ago. At the time of this recording, my father passed away. Or like my Rose, my partner would say from Malaysia, he moved to another level. And he was always this joker, this happy person. And he was also a big connector. And I have these genes. Like father, like son, I love to connect with people. That's how we met, by the way, Chris. And charisma is like, is like the gasoline of connection. Because with charisma, you become attractive and you connect with more people. So when I'm more charismatic, I learn I connect more with people. Connecting makes me happy. And this is my connection between charisma and happiness. Nice. Fair. Thank, thank you, Flo. Um, I, I keep, keep, keep learning always. And so what has been your, your story the last years? Like, please share a bit more about your, your, yourself to the audience. Oh, damn. I think everyone I work with is so tired of my 1 euro 27 story, but it is my story. In the year 2009, I'm not happy at the Rosenthaler Platz subway station in Berlin. One day, it's a sunny day in Berlin, and I'm standing there with my friend Sam. So night, he couldn't walk anymore. And the ticket machine said back then, 2 euro 10. I grab into my left pocket and 1 euro 27. And this was the, one of these moments where... It, it sounds good in the, I always say that, do you know the hero's journey? Of course. The hero's journey, yeah, but maybe you're, you guys, that's another thing. And so the hero's journey, I always say, is it always sounds good in the, in the rear view mirror. <laughs> but when you are in the shit, it's not so happy. And there I had to start my, or I have to start my rhetorical journey, which is in 2009. And uh, ever since you said it, 139 corporate clients later, I am doing what I love, public speaking, rhetoric, charisma. This is, this is my biggest passion in life. And, and today I'm super, super happy. Hmm. Happiness without downs is weird, isn't it? I mean, you have to have downs in life to be later happy. And, and Flo, I also, I always think like, you know, you see all these inspirational videos where basically inspiration in the end, the, the, the final solution is you have to find what, what you love and you never have to work in your whole life. And I always think, okay, but for many people I know this is not true. Like they enjoy their job to, a, to some degree, 
but but still they have other things that they have more passion but for you it's not true <laughs> like you're one of the persons you're fully living it uh, well, well you, 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 you found it you know Chris that I joined the Toastmasters and I always make advertising for Toastmasters.org I joined in 2005 I found my biggest passion in 2009 with this one yeah, year can, can you explain what Toastmaster is Toastmaster for those of you who don't know it it's the biggest speaking organization in the world it's a public speaking club and I, I just found my passion in 2005 it was the 5th of October a hot day in Barcelona still and I entered my first meeting and I thought what a freak show Chris they're always clapping and giving speeches and, and I see the people and I think they're all nerds but then I signed up on the first day and it's, it became my greatest passion now public speaking then when I had this one year or 27 I turned it into my profession and I always have this discussion with people. Yeah, but when it's not my passion anymore, when it's my passion, I work for it, it's not my passion anymore. This is bullshit. This is <laughs> bullshit, guys. If it's your passion, I don't work. I go to SAP, to Microsoft, to Danone Yogurts, and I love what I do. This is this is my experience. Yeah, that's fully true, no? Like, uh, like uh, I'm able to meet Flo uh, just before dinner. He's working on, on some changes because he has so much passion for, for his projects. He's always... And he always wants to get it even better, which uh, which we clearly clearly shows, right? And uh, which um, so like one of the parts of of, uh, of charisma is of course also re rhetoric, right? So um, a lot of people, a lot of the people here also have now to give their first public speeches or want to get better with public 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 speeches. What does what's the common mistakes people make in the first seconds, and how can they get better to? You know, like in a Facebook ad, the first seconds are important. In a speech, even more, I guess, right? So how, how to get good first seconds in your speech? Well, let, let me, that's a great question, Chris. Let me go a little bit beyond that thing. Yeah, I love it. My, my, big, my big shift in public speaking was when I stopped thinking about myself. I think stage fright, I had a lot of stage fright. In my past, I had panic attacks in 1999. I mean, this is crazy when I think about it now. I was sitting in a, in a dark toilet, on a toilet seat, Chris, and I had a panic attack because two minutes later, I have to talk in front of 20 people. This is crazy if I think about it today. And uh, the big switch, the big shift came when I stopped thinking about, about me. Stage fright is egocentric. What will they think about me? What if I forget my text? What um, what if they don't like me egocentric all the time? And then I shifted to my speech or my presentation is a gift for my audience. And this brings us to one of the biggest charisma drivers out there, which is empathy. I mean, without empathy, you will never on this planet become a great speaker. Think about MLK Jr., Gandhi, Oprah Winfrey. If you're not empathetic, you cannot be a great speaker. But when you're empathetic, you have a huge, huge driver for your own charisma. And I think this goes hand in hand. And uh, there's some there's some things that, that you were teaching me. And I, for me, it was just so much value. So maybe, maybe you say it again, or I, I, I can repeat it. But it was basically that never go to a... To, uh, to, uh, Start a, start a speech and say like, hey, my name is X, and my name is Mike, and I'm going to talk about X. No, because they, in the slide says your name and it says what you're going to talk about. This is And never ever end with a thank you. So maybe like, because most people don't know this, so maybe you can like talk more about this because I can explain it, but you can explain it way better. Well, the only person on this planet who is allowed to say my name is, is fucking Eminem. 
Okay, get this right. My name is, and there is a moderator. Here comes Chris Erthel. Hello, my name is Chris Erthel. Chris Erthel, this is so stupid. And and I always give this, a, uh, I will share an example of my training sessions because I love it. I'm a great fan of Ernest Hemingway. How does Ernest Hemingway start a book? Does Ernest Hemingway start like this? Hello, dear reader, my name is Ernest Hemingway. It's a great pleasure and honor to welcome you in my new novel. In this new exciting novel, I'm going to share with you an exciting story about an old man and the sea. Hey, fuck no. He starts like this. He was an old man who fished alone in a skiff in the Gulf Stream. And he had gone 84 days now without taking a fish. Oh, Guys out there, when you give a presentation, a charismatic communicator starts all in, full force, 100%. First sentence, this is your first impression, man. So make it right. Nobody cares about your name. Nobody cares about your title. They care about connection. So make it happen. Say something like, who of you have been unhappy in life? And then make a pause. And I tell you one thing, they will listen to you. Hello, my name is Chris Erthel. Nobody listens to you. Charisma needs intriguing stuff. First sentence is the holy sentence when I start and I always make it right so that everybody lets their fucking iPhones drop like very hot potatoes. And also what I learned a lot is uh, when you do a break, always do it longer than you're comfortable with. Oh, Barack Obama. Uh, I know we're in Europe here. This is a European podcast, American friends. Okay, there's not 50-50 Republicans, Democrats. We love Barack in Europe. <laughs> we love Barack. And I always ask my people in the training session, who are charismatic communicators? And the first name, it used to be Steve Jobs, gone with the wind. Now it's Barack Obama. And Barack Obama, he only uses pauses, man. Your pause is the most important word. You don't see my fingers here now. Word, because of course the pause is not a word. But your pause gives you authority. It's tension, it's suspense, it's, it's I want to know more. It is your gravitas, it is your charisma. You need to pause. Chris, how long do you think when you do your big, big AdWords speeches, when you do a three second pause, how long does it appear in your brain? Nine seconds. I, I gotta know. I've tried it. <laughs> he says nine seconds. People always say ten minutes flow. Ten minutes. In. But it's three seconds, guys. It's three seconds, and this is this is charisma. Charisma needs pauses. Yeah, like so. Something I, I want to share here with the audience is um, so the Edward speech I made, the one that they had seventy thousand attendees, that uh, I was the most nervous about and prepared the, the, the most for, obviously. Um, the the start I wanted to have was. Today I'll talk about X and the end would have been thank you and now X, no? And of course, Flo told me, Chris, are you retarded? <laughs> and say that. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Exaggerating. But he was not happy and my coach wasn't happy. So what it was actually was there was a slide of an ad and my first sentence was, so I saw this and I thought, fuck. Followed by a long pause. Followed by a long pause. <laughs> and then the audience was completely caught. They like, were like, okay, what? And then walking down the streets of Barcelona, home from the office, I saw this ad and I thought, what an unethical ad. And then I explain how you can make more ethical ads and how these ads perform way better. And people were really hooked in the speech. And then in the end, of course, I didn't say thank you for your attention. 
I, you have to end with a call to action, like Flo told me. So the end was like, take these learnings and create the change and help charities and help good projects. Mm. Yeah, this call to action is super important, Chris, because um, think about Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo, the, they are happy. Finding Nemo, they are very happy creatures here. Uh, the last scene, do you remember the last scene? I think it's in the aftertakes. No. I think the seven, the seven fish, the starfish and the fish, they made it. They're all in their plastic ball, uh, plastic bag. They, they jump into the Pacific. They're free, but everyone in their plastic bag. And then one says, now what? <laughs> so when you listen to this podcast, ask yourself, how many times in your life have you thought at the end of a speech presentation, now what? This is because people always inform about something, Chris. And I think the power of a charismatic speaker, a happy charismatic speaker, is you make people change. You move them to action. This is rhetoric. This is the art of moving people to action. This is persuasion. And this is your power you have. And this is why we worked so much on that particular call to action in your speech. And it it really really helped. And also, I felt this was the speech I felt the most safe about. It was the most pre prepared I've been for a speech. Well, preparation. I hate that in the internet now that it's so hard to find the originators of quotes because I quoted Benjamin Franklin wrongly, falsely for six years. It's even in one of my YouTube videos, which I hate. <laughs> I said Benjamin Franklin, one of the founding fathers of the United States, said, "Failing to prepare is preparing to fail." And he never said that. And uh, But the quote is great. Preparation. Charisma needs also preparation when you speak. Now we're mixing a lot charisma and speaking, but of course, charismatic communication is a lot seen in speakers out there that we know, like politicians. So one, one, of, the, one of the reasons also I wanted to have you so much on the, on the podcast floor is like, I, I, I seek always people who have different drivers for their happiness and they take their happiness from very different sources of other people. No? So a lot of the guests I had in the past, they, they get meditation from a good morning routine, from, from yoga, from meditating in the morning. And we had this conversation uh, the other day about this. And uh, yeah, can you give your views on this and, and then share what, what, what's your happiness? What's your happiness sources? The pursuit of happiness, as we all know, is a, is a very subjective thing. I'm from Franconia, northern Bavaria, in the center of Europe. If you give me a beer at 1 p.m. and I'm having my FaceTime call every day with my mom, she's 90 at the time of this recording, FaceTime call. And we started in the pandemic because she was all alone in her hometown, northern Bavaria. I live in Barcelona with you. And uh, then we started to have our routine every day at one o'clock. We have a beer with my 90-year-old mom, and we talk for like 30 minutes, and this makes me the happiest man on earth. So uh, it's the little things that make me happy. It's a deep conversation. I hate, 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 fucking hate small talk. I love to go deep with people, which is tricky because people always have this mask and they don't share, but I, I break that mask and I go deep in. That's a tip, by the way. Always share yourself first. Open up yourself. And everyone else opens up. This is what I've learned. So deep conversation makes me happy. Uh, it makes me happy to, to speak in public, to train, to see people grow in the trainings. I'm, I'm very blessed because in all these sessions, I see people grow so extremely in short time, which makes me completely fulfilled. And 
yeah, that's it. My my father uh, was a nature guy. I, I could have more love for nature. Could we be more in nature? But uh, man, I love football. I love to play the clarinet. I love opera. Oh man, opera. When I'm in the opera, I totally freak out. Opera guys, this is for me the Mount Everest of culture. Has, has this always been been like this? Or is it a thing that comes with, with age? Um, it, this is a, a very good question. Yeah. But my mom... Her friends called her Ursula. This is a beautiful German name. Uh, she gave me a abo, uh, a season ticket for our Coburg small theater when I was 14. So I started to watch my first operas when I was 14. I don't know. This is something that is on the bell curve. No, that's yeah. uh, 10%, 3%, 1% loves opera. But this makes me super happy when I listen to Puccini. And I, every, every time I cry, I'm, I'm sitting there and crying. I also feel like you're very easily connected to your emotions, no? Like you can easily cry or like reach peak happiness moments. Or, yeah. Okay, I hope my Alvaro, he's 16. Uh, I hope he never listens to your podcast. Uh, okay, I'll say it to him. But he, he's emotionally <laughs> immune, man. We always watch these, uh, when he was seven, six years old, Chris, we always watch these Pixar movies. And I, we did like the spoon, spoon, you know, a siesta movie siesta with a with a laptop on his bed and then we we were watching the movie and the final speech i always cried and he always looked at me papa what are you doing <laughs> damn it he's not my son <laughs> hope he's not listening to this podcast yeah it's very easy for me to to share emotions and uh, and what do you think like do you think there's 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 people like like you and I also have this little bit that being around other people just gives us this huge amount of energy and like this like extroverts and like this is like a thing or this it can be learned a bit or is it like do you think it's like a a given thing or something that that we, you can train and learn because I'm not sure that's why I want uh, to know what what you think as a corporate trainer and there is a statistic I I heard it once from a fellow speaker from. From Germany, Michael Ellis, he, he said that uh, 80% in Germany, and this is only German, but this is kind of universal, 80% is introverted. I always thought it was 50-50. Mm -hmm. So I'm a super extrovert. You were a super extrovert. My father was a super extrovert. My son is more introvert. And, and it's it's like, that's that's how it is. Fact is, as extroverts, we suck energy out of people. This is my experience, at least. And of course, you have an advantage to connect with human beings. And, and if, if connection for me is happiness, uh, I have an advantage because introverts look for the energy inside. They read more books and, and this, is, this is how it is. In my training sessions, though, they, you can gain a lot of voice, a lot of charisma, a lot of storytelling techniques, a lot of self-confidence. Look at people into the eyes. Smile at people when you walk into a fucking bar and smile for the first time in your life. And the people, they will perceive you like, wow, what has happened to that person? It can be trained. It is a skill. Charisma is a skill for me. But an advantage you have, Chris, when you're an extrovert in that world with connecting pe with people for sure. Mm -hmm. And how, how, from your experience or from maybe science that you've read, is it like what 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 you are like? I'd say once you grow up, you're a, a 18 and I say you're eighty percent extrovert, twenty percent introvert. Everyone has like their own balance, no? No one is fully introvert. No sure, one is introvert. sure. But do you think that this stays even more or less, or or it changes? And like, is is it is there a tendency to become more introvert with age, or like? What, what kind of, do you have some knowledge about this? Because I'm very curious about. 
I worked with more or less 6,000 people in my first 13 years in 16 countries coming from more than 80 nationalities. And I can tell you, I think personality-wise, intro, extra is, is, is done. You will not change it. Hmm. But you can, get, you can gain a lot of voice, charisma as an introvert. And, and this is for me a source of happiness, you know, to connect more with people. But they will go and retreat and read a book once in a while. That, that, that I think you will not change that. Hmm? Well, it's also important. No? Like you, 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 need, you need both. And, uh... and introverts are super happy people. Eh? Don't get me wrong here. It's, <laughs> it's not an exclusion. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm always wondering because uh, you, you, for example, you're saying that uh, I'm clearly an extrovert. I'm not sure because, like, sometimes I, I can I can travel by my own and just read books, and I'm completely at bliss. So like, I don't know. Chris, when you travel, you go to the next bar or you play football on the beach with people. <laughs> uh, come on, I've seen your Instagrams. Okay, don't give me that crap. You you look for pe- you look for connection, and of course you can read. Well, I read also stuff, and I write a lot. For for instance, happiness. Ah, you ask me for things that make me happy. Writing makes me happy, and writing for me is meditation. That is that is for me meditation. Not so much reading. I, I prefer to write. I, I've written five books, uh, but uh, that is meditation. And I'm super happy when I'm alone in my kitchen with a glass of red wine, please, and uh, with writing my books. I actually, what, what, what you just said, it brought up such a big memory that I nearly forgot about. Thanks to what you said. I, I want to I share it uh, with the audience. Because you said like when you travel alone, you meet people. And I had this crazy memory of like <laughs> traveling alone in, in South Arabia. And, uh, and I saw w- one kid on the, on the beach not playing with a football. And he was like 17. And I was like, yeah, let, let's kick it together. And then more people walked by. And I was like waving. I'm like, yeah, let's play. Let's play. Like, I really wanted to just have a match. You know? And in the end, we played like not 11 versus 11. We played 15 versus 15 on a huge field. And I was, I was so happy. Like I made so many friends in that day and like played for two hours. We had beer breaks. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's true. But like meeting new people, like the first first meeting and the first impression is always amazing when you, when you get, get to bring I, a group together. Like I, I, I love doing that. I, I, think, I think happiness and charisma, this is today that was the original topic, is it's a, it's a virtuous circle. So it's a virtuous circle. Because I, I have the experiences of, of trainees, of participants in my trainings from the past that, that then they were IT guys and then they go out and they speak at conferences and they meet people and then they get better jobs and then they meet more people and then they get bec- become even more better speakers. And this is a virtuous circle. So once you stop always thinking, I cannot connect with people because I don't know what to say, once you learn what to say, Once you get the rhetoric right, once you start telling your personal stories, your personal fuck-ups, your personal, you share your vulnerabilities, suddenly people connect. Uh, there is a huge topic right now which makes people unhappy, which you might have a podcast in the future, uh, future about, is, is imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is everywhere, but nobody talks about it. And then in my trades, and they talk about it, and then the other three people go there in the break and say, me too, me too. And then they connect, and then they're happy, and they smile. It's like therapy. But it's just to get the tools first or to open up more with communication. In the end, it's all about communicating with people and connecting. So imposter syndrome, like in your training, would be like in a business, would they 
they they believe they should not be in that point of their career already advanced because they're not good enough to be in that high position or what, what, what exactly is yeah you can check it out i mean you this many people talk about imposter nowadays it's exactly this you you, you take into a position and then you think you're a cheat ah, okay. imposter is a cheat and i had that when i started my public speaking training career because i started from the scratch and i was not a trainer and how do you become a trainer Huh? There's no university for that. So for a time, for maybe six months, my first trainings, and they paid me my first euros, I felt a bit like a cheat. Hmm. It's just that I kept going because I didn't think too much about it. But th this is something that people have. They don't talk about it and they, you know, they stuck in their, in their shell. And, and I, as a charismatic communicator, as people perceive me now, I share everything with everybody all the time and i've never had a problem and how how i always think like how, how to help people like how, how can we help someone who has imposter syndrome how, how can you how can you make them feel better about it that, that goes like, give it's, them it's affirmations a, that they deserve where they imposter are it's a psychological thing yeah? it's not so easy to talk about it superficially it's an extreme um, inferiority complex And I think in, in training sessions like what I do, but also others, uh, you can, of course, you can. The, the most important thing is to talk about it. Mm. Just talk about it. And people always walk around with their stupid mask, especially in companies, and they don't talk about their troubles. This is the worst thing you can do. Talk about it. And then the others will tell you, yeah, me too. And then you connect. And then you're happier. I tell you, connection is happiness for me. Eh? And charisma is the driver for connection. It's, it's what we said at the beginning. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Of his little Christmas tree, just a, a little ball fell down. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still thinking about uh, which I, I really want to find a way to help people who have imposter syndrome if it's such a common, common thing. Or like how, have you ever how, felt like a cheat? Hmm? Well, with, with marketing, not because with Meller it was good, right? But in the beginning of, of, of Meller, it was like, oof, uh, it's like, <laughs> do I know what I'm doing? <laughs> you see? So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but you have high self-confidence. And <laughs> self-confidence is the opposite of, of inferiority complex. So when you have high self-confidence, which you, of course, can train and nurture as well, then that's probably the antipill for imposter. But... As I said, it's it's for another podcast. Do you have any any other more things you want to share share to this audience? Like some wisdom, some can be about anything you want, but some wisdom where you want to share with all the smart listeners of this amazing audience. One one of the one of the biggest drivers for me for for being charismatic and and happy in life is to be optimistic. My father was a hardcore optimist. And I'm a hardcore optimist. One year, 27, Berlin, Rosenthaler Platz. Oh, it will work out somehow. I'm a hardcore optimist. And I once saw a great guy from Spain. He's a surgeon, brain surgeon. And he has written books. He's doing this connection between brain functions and leadership, which is Dr. Mario Alonso Puch. That would be a nice guy for your podcast. Mm -hmm. Dr. Mario Alonso Puch. And I saw him when I was at KPMG. It was the year 2006. He's in Madrid and he gives the talk about leadership. And he said to our 600 leaders in the room, you can trade in everything as a leader. Can trade in everything as a leader, but one thing, optimism. 
And then he said, I will never forget that. And this is one of my guidelines in life ever since. Uh, there is an easy way to be more optimistic in life. That's the people around you. And Dr. Mario Lonsepuch said, there's two categories. There's the black holes guy, the black holes, the black holes, the energy suckers. The people who tell you, stay with Meller, don't do coaching. You want to be a keynote speaker, Chris? What the fuck? You cannot do that. You stutter. Huh? That's, by the way, this is his biggest asset. <laughs> I'm so jealous. And you see, these fuckers are the black holes. They, they suck out your energy. And Dr. Mario Alonso Puch said, the easy rule for more optimism in life is stay away from black holes. But he also said, mostly they are among your friends and your family. Oh, that went into my heart. And then he said, the other category is, of course, the white holes, like Chris Erthel here. The white holes, you know, the energy givers. Come flow. You can do that. One year, 27, I had much less back in the day. <laughs> you know, the energy givers, man, the white holes. And I will never forget the white holes. And I use that a lot in my charisma trainings, the concept of being a white hole. And the easy rule, Dr. Mario Lonsepuch said, surround yourself with white holes in life. So ever since, I mean, ever since in my life, I surround myself with white holes. And when you surround yourself with white holes, you are more optimistic. More optimism is, is one of the biggest charisma drivers and it makes your life so much happier. So much. I, that that I, I fully agree. And it's, it's, it's so important because optimism, uh, like you cannot start your own company or your own freelance business if you're not optimistic about it. Right, because if you're like, oh, it's not going to work out, you're never going to do it. No, like as, as a pessimist, you can be an amazing employee, but you really won't be a founder because you you won't believe that it's going to work out, right? Yeah, and pessimists are they happy? I don't and know. The, for, 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 for example, I'm like, I'm I'm very yeah. What uh, one of our friends has launched an app, and I'm very optimistic it's going to work out. I'm extremely optimistic for him, and I I, I really see huge potential in 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 it. Um, All right, I have uh, one more story and one more question. What do you want? What do you want first, Flo? You, you can choose. Finish with your story. Ask the okay. question. Huh? Ask the question first, and then you can finish with your story. All right. Okay. So I, I ask uh, I ask your 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 question to you. Um, so vulnerability in speeches or not in speeches in in your day to day. You know, like you go to a party or meet new people. How, how do you add in more vulnerability about you? Because it's so important to, the more vulnerable you are, the more, the more people see you as like a human they want to con connect with, no? Because you're not this superhero who's perfect, no? So like, it's very important to be vulnerable and you can probably get, get even better, better reasons for it. So how do you add more of this in your daily life and to your speeches? I'm very curious about that. Uh, data in my first uh, I'm an ex-KPMG consultant so something has to be still there I, I collect I count my speeches that I evaluate and it's a group evaluation you, you've been with in my training Chris so that means that eight people on average on average they give everyone gives feedback so you give a speech and they give feedback and at the time of this recording 13,287 speeches this is four months of your life I listen to that every time. Now listen carefully. Every single time, without one single exception, every single time, you, share you show yourself vulnerable, not perfect. You share your feelings. I'm not proud of. I fucked up. I did a big mistake. I, f I feel doubt. Can I really make it? Am I the right person? 
We talked about imposter before. Every single time, the feedback was on the positive side. The, the idea that it's bad for you to share or show yourself vulnerable is the weirdest paradox that I know in my life as a, as a coach. It's, it's amazing. And what I always say in the training sessions, what happens in Vegas stays in, of course. I cannot share the details because it stays in the room. But guys, I've, I've listened to everything. I've listened to killing people with a car. To, to, I listened to rape. I listened to letting down friends in the worst possible ways. I listened to every potential thing I think that's out there in life. No murder. No murder. Don't get, um, don't get excited here. It's not a Tarantino movie. Uh, but um, it's amazing when the people share them their lessons learned, what they took out of it, and they, it made them become a stronger version of themselves, a stronger person, the feedback is so extremely positive every single time. So fact is for me, data-based vulnerability wins. It's one of the biggest, biggest charisma and happiness drivers, I think, in the world. Mm -hmm. And so like, what, what, what's, a, what's a good way to add, add more of this in, into like, so just always use it, but like, what do you have some, Some, some techniques in a public speak, for example. What, there's two, there's two would, things. Would, you wouldn't add it in the end of the middle. It should not start a bit. It would be in the middle of the speech. I, I, have, I have an easy rule in, in public speaking. When you give a presentation, like in business, there's only one rule for me. When it supports your message, hmm. for example, uh, we want to fix our team spirit. Okay? That's, let's fix our team spirit in our team. That would be the message. Then I can open the speech talking about my divorce how I fucked up, mm -hmm. bad team spirit. And we want to fix this. And then it supports the message. There is no, no exception. Every time it supports the message, I say, go all in, share everything. When it doesn't, people are a little bit, hmm? why do people share this? Yeah, it has to really fit. No. But when it fits, go all in. And in private life, you know me, I share everything after two minutes. <laughs> Good. So right away, no, like you. I don't wait. And if people don't like it, I go to the next person. <laughs> don't want to waste. I, I told you, small talk is my hate hatred number one. And by by sharing it in the beginning, you go deep right away. You know, like you make sure, like if either it's a deep connection or it's uh, a person that you're next. Yeah. yeah, I love cocktail parties, Chris. That's my turf. Yeah. So then, because I said the question and the story, so I, I want to I want to then. Uh, And this, uh, unless you have more things to add, and this on, on, a, on a funny story that I just remembered <laughs> mid, mid in through the podcast. So basically, uh, how, how Flo and me actually met, <laughs> this is a, such a great, great, great story. Uh, we were uh, invited from a, a mutual friend uh, to, uh, I think we already heard about each other, but we never met in person, and uh, to his bachelor party to be Vilnius, I think. Uh, and uh, so we were <laughs> we were all uh, all on, on, on the on the boarding the plane and Flo was late, I think. So he, he just joined joined the group. Uh, you were a bit late. <laughs> <laughs> and um, well that's not the part of the story anyway. But uh, but basically I was the youngest by 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 far. And, uh, and <laughs> the guy uh, didn't let me board uh, with my with my with my luggage. Um, Because he said, no, you, did, you didn't check it in. You have to pay like 60 euros extra. 
And Flo somehow understood or thought that I was I was with a friend who is still an Erasmus student and has no money and is, is joining. So he immediately was like, no, no, let me pay this, let me pay this. And offered off, offered to pay with. And I was like, wow, what an amazing, amazing person. And and you know, and you know what he said? You know, guys, listening to this podcast, you know what Chris said? No, no, Flo, it's okay. I can do that. <laughs> That was awesome. Was so, we'll never forget that. It was so beautiful. So I met him just like, he didn't even know me yet. And he rather <laughs> offered like, no, like, let me pay this for, for you. Like, you must be an Erasmus student. And uh, yeah, it was very beautiful. And it was a very, very uh, good, good, good couple of days in Vilnius we had. Yeah. And uh, yeah, since, 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 since then, a lot of um, deep conversations, like, like you said, no, like we have this, this, um, with dinner events, which we do every every quarter, I would say we we have four 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 persons, uh, all the freelancers and founders, and we listen to each other and give each other life advice and help in private whatever categories: private life, uh, business, and isn't isn't it free, or is it two? I yeah, it. you guys are more structured than I am. Yeah, because I we try no to be idea. structured about it. We share everything. It, it, it's private sure, and professional. It's professional That's but like, for sure. I thought it has a third category something else. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's really, really help, helpful, helpful always. Christoph does the structure, so we don't have him here. <laughs> he could share more about that. <laughs> but yeah, it was a huge pleasure to have you on. You brought so much value. And um, yeah, thank you for helping me so much with my public speaking always. Anytime, and then see how tonight, after this recording, we can connect with people and be happy with charisma. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Happiness Podcast with Chris Erthel. We hope you have learned a lot, and now you can apply the tactics we have discussed to your life.